Renner. Turn to the book of Daniel. All right, y'all ever seen this show called The Amazing Race? Raise your hand if you've seen it. Raise your hand if you saw this last season. Okay, nope, nobody saw this last season? Okay, thank you. We got some. So some of y'all will understand this. Yes, your mom and dad said yes in the other service. Yeah, y'all watch it. That's awesome. So Amazing Race, it's these couples that go and try, they go to all these different continents. They have to do all these challenges and roadblocks, and they do all of these things to try to win a million dollars. But this partnership is paramount. It's paramount to the race because if you've got a bad partner, you're ultimately going to run a bad race. But if you got a great partner, you're going to run a pretty good race because the chemistry, but sometimes you got people having to carry both backpacks, you got bickering. There was this, this duo this last season, so my people that have watched it this last season, there was this father and a daughter, and this daughter was a spoiled brat. She was a spoiled brat, and she goes on the show, and the first sign of something going wrong, she begins to pout and throw a fit. She says, I don't want to be on the amazing race anymore, and they finish... And they finish second to last, so they're still in the race. And she says, I don't want to be here anymore. And the, the host of the show is like, are you serious? Do you really not want to be here? She goes, I guess I'll do it for my dad. And if you imagine all the people that try to get on the amazing race, and like, this little brat got on the amazing race and wants to be off. I want to be there. Put me in her place. Then they go the next round, and they're in Jordan, and she's just throwing a fit. She's just throwing a pity party. And then they're off the race. I, I can only imagine the embarrassment and the frustration that dad felt in that moment. His partner threw him off the right trail, threw him off a million dollars, and it was, all, it was all because of his daughter, unfortunately. How does this relate to relationships? We're talking about friendships tonight, and your friendships can help determine your path, not towards a million dollars, but the straight and narrow, but your friendship can also take you to the wide that leads to destruction. Y'all are in a, an intimate time, a specific time in your life where middle school and then now high school, friendships are huge, right? Clicks have started and, and you got the popular group and you got this group and, oh, I want to be in that group and you get bullied if you're not in this group. That's huge in your, in your culture right now in high school. So how do we navigate that? How do we choose the right friends? How do we go the straight and narrow and, and find that friendship that's going to help impact us in a positive way? So my overall thought in understanding about friendships and choosing the right ones, I want you to understand this phrase. Choosing and building your friendships is paramount to your spiritual growth. Choosing and building your friendships is paramount to your spiritual growth. Let's pray as we open God's word. Lord, we thank you for your living and active word. God, would you speak to us tonight? And Lord, would you bring to mind the friendships that we need to address? the friendships that we need to maybe pursue and maybe some of the friendships we need to let go. God, would you give, give us wisdom and discernment as we walk through your word tonight? It's in Jesus' name. Amen. So my first question, kind of like last week, we're going to ask a couple questions about friendships. The first one is this. How do you choose the right friends? How do you choose the right friends? Daniel chapter 1, verses 1 through 7. In the third year of the reign of Jehoiakim, king of Judah, Nebuchadnezzar, king of Babylon, came to Jerusalem and besieged it. This king, he came over and he took over Jerusalem. And the Lord gave Jeho Jehoiakim, king of Judah, into his hand 
and with some of the vessels of the house of God, and he brought them into the land of Shinar to the house of his God and placed them in the vessels in the treasury of his God. Then the king commanded Ashpenaz, his chief eunuch, to bring some of the people of Israel, some of the people that he just conquered, both of the royal family and of the nobility, some of their young people without blemish of good appearance and skillful in all wisdom, endowed with knowledge, understanding, learning, and competent to stand in the king's palace and to teach them the literature and language of the Chaldeans. The king assigned them a daily portion of food, and the king ate, and of the wine that he drank. They were to be educated for three years, and at the end of that time, they were to stand before the king. Among these were Daniel, Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah of the tribe of Judah. And they would be renamed Belshazzar, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. So you guys have heard of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, so we're going to jump into their story. But first, y'all remember a couple weeks ago when we had Parent Link, and our speaker was Lance Lang. And, and our speaker, Lance Lang, has an incredible testimony of where he, he was, a, he was a, a First Baptist Church type of kid. He was a pastor's kid. He knew all the right answers. He did all the right things. Yet he got stuck into addiction of drugs and alcohol. And luckily, the Lord saved him out of that, and he's now in sobriety, and now he's bringing many people to the Lord and many people out of sobriety. But he was talking about some of the biggest influences of why he got stuck in addiction, how he got caught up in addiction. And one of the number one reasons he got caught up in that life were his friendships. His friendships were a massive impact on him going down the wrong path. And he doesn't blame it just on his friends, right? He's the one making those decisions, and we're the ones ultimately making those decisions to choose the sin in our life. But he continued to be put in avenue and situation and place after place where he was having to choose more so between good and bad. And he began to choose bad over and over and over again. And it's because he was continuing to put in places because of his friends that were not God-honoring and not God-glorifying. So we see uh, this passage in Daniel 1, and you're like, okay, what does that have to do with friendships? we got Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, and they're Jerusalem being taken over. What does that have to do with us? What does that have to do with friendships? Well, let's look at why King Nebuchadnezzar chose these young people. He chose them because they were without blemish. They were of good appearance. They were skillful. They had wisdom, endowed with knowledge. They, had under, they understood learning, and they were competent to stand in the king's palace. And when people took over cities, what they would do is they would take the strong and the mighty and the respected in the community, and they would try to brainwash them into their own culture so that they can help change the culture of the city that they just took over. So that's what they were doing. They took these youths, Daniel, they took Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, and they were trying to, to brainwash them to be a part of their culture. You might be thinking, okay, Dylan, is this a list of how we need to choose our friends? They need to be without blemish and good appearance, right? In middle school, high school, y'all experienced acne. If that was the case, none of us would have friends. Had wisdom, okay, a lot of us, we wouldn't have friends. Endowed with knowledge, a lot of us wouldn't have friends. This is not an exhaustive list of what a friend must have. What I want you to, to get attention of is why King Nebuchadnezzar chose them. Because they were in good standing, they were upstanding citizens in their culture. They weren't the kids, right? Sometimes you got kids uh, doing the devious licks, 
You got kids doing all these negative things. You got the kids vaping in the bathroom. You got the kids disrespecting the teacher. You got the kids dishonoring their parents and, and trash talking people and bullying people, right? This is not the group of the people that King, King Nebuchadnezzar was like, you will have influence. That's not who he was choosing. He was choosing those that had upstanding, that were upstanding citizens in their society. They were in good company. They were doing the right things when they were supposed to be doing. So when you're choosing a friend, someone you're going to spend a lot of time with, and what I want us to make sure we understand, when I'm talking about how do we choose friends, you know, we don't want to be surrounding our friends with those that are doing all the negative things. I'm not saying if there people are doing negative things, you don't talk to them, you cast them out to the side and say, good riddance. No, what I'm focusing in on tonight is who are those core people you're surrounding yourself with? Those friends that are going to rub off on you, the people that you're spending the most time with, how are you choosing those friends? So here's three questions when you come to the idea of choosing friends. The first question is, where are they right now? Where are those friends, where are those people right now? Again, I'm not saying there's, if there's people in the past that they've done wrong things and now they're in a good spot and say, oh, well, you've done all these things, I can't be your friend. No, right? If that was the case, we would all be out of luck because Jesus is the one that saved us from our sin. He's the one that saw our past and said, no, I love you so much that I'll give my life to you. So we're a people of redemption. We're a people of restoration. So we must have that mindset as well. But you got to ask the question, the person or the group of people you're looking at to be friends with, to befriend and become close with, surround yourself with, where are they right now? Are they, again, doing the devious licks? Are they the ones being gossipers and people that are bullying people, the people that are cussing all the time and sending inappropriate things and doing inappropriate things with their boyfriend or girlfriend? Are those the people you really want to surround yourself with? as your core friendships. 1 Corinthians 15.33 says, do not, be de- do not be deceived. Bad company ruins good morals. Proverbs 13.20, whoever walks with the wise becomes wise, but the companion of fools will suffer harm. If you think your friendships don't matter and how your actions and your path will go, you're delusional. Scripture says, bad company ruins good morals. Again, just like Lance, he was put in situation after situation after situation as his morality decayed and began to choose sin over, over again all of the time. And whoever walks with the wise, if you walk with wise counsel, if your core friends, they're trying to honor the Lord and live for the Lord, you're going to probably grow up in more ways than the Lord. But if you surround yourself with fools, you too will eventually become foolish. Who are those people that you are surrounding yourself because who you surround yourself with will help determine your path. The question is, where do you want to end up? Do you want to end up on the wide and destructive road or do you want to be on the straight and narrow? The second question to ask is, where are they going? So where are they right now, but where are they going? I remember my sophomore year, raise your hand if you're a sophomore in the room. I remember my sophomore year, I was, it was after a basketball game, and uh, I was at McDonald's. I just paid, and I'm sitting in line waiting to get my food. And one of my best friends came up to me. I grew up with him. He's the reason why I started coming to church in the first place. He invited me in middle school, and that's how I got connected to the church. 
So this guy was a huge influence in my life. I loved him. Uh, we went to church together, went to youth together. It was all great. He pulls up to me. He was a basketball player just like I was. Pulls up to me and says, hey, Dylan, roll, roll your window. I roll my window down. He says, hey, I'm about to go to a party. You want to go? And it was in that moment I was like, whoa, whoa, whoa. This isn't the guy that I know. What are, what are you doing? And in that moment I had a choice. Am I going to follow him? Or am I going to stay true to what the Lord calls me to do? He was calling me to go do something illegal and sinful. So was I going to follow that path or was I going to stay at home? What I did, I said, nah, man, I'm good. And I was really in disbelief. I went home and I watched about four reruns of SportsCenter that night because I was bored and didn't have anything else to do. But I chose what was pure in the moment. And I looked at that moment and I knew that was a deciding moment in my buddy's life. Where was his trajectory going? And his trajectory was not going on the straight and narrow. And he is still not on the straight and narrow in pursuing things of this world. What is their trajectory? And do you want to follow that trajectory? Most of the time, it's a no. The third question you have to ask yourself is, why do you want to be that person's friend? When you're choosing friends, why do you want to be that person's friend? Many times in high school, right, you got your cliques, you got your popular group. Oh, I want to begin to dress like them. Hey, I want to do the things they're doing because I want to be in their popular group. And sometimes, right, that means you start bullying people, you start gossiping about people, you begin to say things that are not honoring to the Lord, you begin to do things that are not honoring the Lord, all for the name and all for the sake of being in this friend group. And you have to ask yourself, why am I in seeking to be in this friend group? Many of the times it's for personal gain. Many of the times it's for safety. Because if I'm in this friend group, I'm not in the have-nots. And if I'm in this friend group, I won't really get bullied and I won't get gossiped about and talked bad about on social media, in person, at school. And if I can get in this group and do these things, that though they may be wrong, but I'm safe if I do that. Those are all bad reasons to choose those friends. So why do you want to be that friend? So there's three questions. Where are they right now? Where are they going? And why do you want to be their friend? So that's how we begin to have discernment on choosing the right friends. The second thing I want you to think about is how do you build lasting friendships? How do you build lasting friendships? Daniel 1, verses 8 through 17. But Daniel resolved this, that he would not defile himself with the king's food or with the wine that he drank. Therefore, he asked the chief of the eunuchs to allow him not to defile himself. And jumping down to verse 11, then Daniel said to the steward whom the chief of the eunuchs had assigned over Daniel, Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, test your servants for 10 days. Let us be given vegetables to eat and water to drink. That would be really hard for me. I don't do well with vegetables. Verse 13, then let our appearance and the appearance of the youths who eat the king's food be observed to you and deal with your servants according to what you see. So he listened to them in this matter and tested them for 10 days. At the end of the 10 days, it was seen that they were in a better appearance and fatter in flesh than all the young people who ate the king's food. So the steward took away their food and the wine to drink and gave them vegetables. Verse 17. As for these four young people, God gave them learning and skill and all literature and wisdom. And Daniel had understanding and visions and dreams. And we see later on that Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego... They were faced with another time, right? They were faced with a time that they said no to eating the food and the drink of the king because it would dishonor their God. 
So they followed the Lord and what the Lord did. The Lord honored their faithfulness, and they were in better appearance than the other people of the king. But we look in chapter 3, the golden image of Nebuchadnezzar, where everyone was to worship the golden image. And what did these friends do? Did they say, okay, well, we've gone through one test. I guess we'll give in. We don't want to go through that again. No, they said, we will not worship this idol. We will not worship King Nebuchadnezzar. We only worship the one true God. What happened to them? They all went into the furnace. Now, there wasn't, you know, Shadrach wasn't like, oh, hey, you guys are going to have to go in the fire if you disobey. Shadrach wasn't like, hey, y'all got this. I'm going to be over here worshiping this idol. He said, no, I'm with y'all. We're here together living for the purpose of honoring the Lord. And sometimes that purpose put them in bad places like the fire. But guess what? The Lord honored them and saved them from the fire. So we... We see three things that build lasting friendships. And number, number one relates to that passage in Daniel because it's living on mission together. How do you build lasting friendships? You live on mission together. That mission is what connected them. It connected them on a deep, deep level. When they saw death, they stared death in the face, they said, I choose God. Right? When soldiers go overseas and they go to war and battle together and they come back, there is a bond that is deeper than you could ever imagine. Missionaries overseas, and they're facing death because of their faith. There is a bond that is deeper than you can imagine. When you live on mission with your friends, when you understand that, right, your friendships aren't just meant for a youth group or they're not supposed to be superficial because I imagine all of you all probably have a superficial friendship where it's, oh, hey, how you doing, man? And you don't know anything about them. Right? You're not living life with them. When you are living on mission with your friends, it will go deep and it will last because you're about the same thing. And as believers, we want to surround ourselves with other believers that we can go on mission together. Because you can recognize, hey, there's other kids that go to Santa Fe here. Hey, there's other kids that go to North here. Other kids that go to Memorial and Bethany and OCS and all of those schools that you can say, let's live on mission together in our school. Our friendship, yes, you can enjoy one another in the, the activities you do. Maybe you like playing Fortnite together. Maybe you like braiding each other's hair. Maybe you like going to concerts and doing all of these things. That's great, right? We're to enjoy one another, enjoy our similarities and our hobbies that are the same. But when it gets down to nuts and bolts of it, we are friends with one another because of our faith in Jesus. And that's what unites us, and that is much deeper than liking the same video game. Or the same artist. So we must live on mission together. First Peter 2.12 says, Keep your conduct among the Gentiles honorable so that when they speak against you as evildoers, they may see your good deeds and glorify God on the day of visitation. And that living on mission together, that deep friendship, is so that others may see that you have a, a faith in Jesus and want to know why so that they may honor and give God glory. Acts 4.19 and 20 Peter and John were commanded not to speak of, the, of Jesus, not to preach of Jesus. It says, but Peter, Peter and John answered them, whether it is right in the sight of God to listen to you rather than to God, you must judge, for we cannot but speak of what we have seen and what we have heard. Their faith was their foundation, and it went, it went beyond superficial worldly things. They say, we can't help but speak of what we've seen together and what we've heard together and what we've lived together on mission for the Lord. That ran deeper than what the law was coming at them. 
Is your friendship that deep? Are you living on, min- on mission with your friends? The second thing to build a lasting friendship is to be real with one another. Right? There are many, many superficial friendships in high school. One's to get personal gain. One to, to have a, a straight face so you can get along during the day. But your friends, your core friends that you are surrounding yourself, the believers, you have to be real with one another. That's what, one of our pillars in our D groups is vulnerability and accountability. So that we can check one another and see how we're doing and be, be real with one another. When you are vulnerable with someone, that goes deeper. When you allow someone a peek behind the curtain in your life, right, because we want a facade and we want to act like we have it all together. But when you show someone, hey, I'm broken and I need help. I need you in my life. I need you to help me get out of this situation. I need your encouragement. I need something from you that you can help them in that situation because you're real with one another. That will go deeper than you can imagine. Proverbs 27, 17. Iron sharpens iron. Santa Fe football just had a breakfast about this, their iron sharpens iron breakfast. That we as believers, we as friends with one another, that lasting friendship refines one another. It builds one another up. It sharpens. And sometimes when you're not walking the straight and narrow, it's your friend saying, hey, I know what you're about, but I know your actions lately haven't been matching up with that. What's the deal? Right? You're not coming in on your high and mighty horse just you're stomping on them, kicking them, saying, you're terrible. No, it's saying, hey, I know the real you. What's going on? And for you to build that lasting friendship, you have to invite that into your own life. You can't be the person, yeah, man, I'll tell you when you're wrong. I'll do that for you. But you need someone to do that for you. And when you're real with one another and you share the grittiness of life, that will build you up. Proverbs 27, 5 and 6. Better is open rebuke than hidden love. Faithful are... Faithful are the wounds of a friend, profuse are the kisses of an enemy. That is more faithful and better for us to have wounds from a friend that we're calling one another out and calling us and challenging one another to a more deep and faithful walk with, with Jesus. That is much better for us than someone saying, oh, you're good, man, you're great. You don't do anything wrong. It's okay you're superficial. It's okay that you come to church all the time. You never have a, a, a quiet time on your own. Hey, you keep doing you. Keep living your, that, that is harmful to you. You need a friend that's going to speak truth into your life. And that will be a lasting friendship. The last thing, an ingredient how to build lasting friendships is to speak life to one another. Speak life to one another. Especially as guys, it's really easy just to be sarcastic all the time. It's really easy just to throw jabs all the time. But we as friends... We need to speak life. We need to encourage one another. 1 Thessalonians 5.11 says, Therefore, encourage one another and build one another up just as you are doing. We are commanded to encourage one another, to build one another up. That the words of our mouth match Ephesians 4.29. Let no corrupting talk come out of your mouth, but only such as is good for building up as fits the occasion, that it may give grace to those who hear. Are you a friend that builds one another up? Are you searching for a friend that builds one another up? Because that will last. I know y'all don't go to the friends that say, oh, you're terrible, you're ugly, you look terrible today, you're awful. That person, you're not going to be like, hey, you want to be my best friend? No. It's that person that encourages you. That's why we love our moms so much. 
right? Our moms are so encouraging and tell us we're great and that they love us. Like, that's why for, for a son and his mom, that's why there's such a special bond there because that is an, a constant encourager in their life. Are you that encourager? Are you speaking life into your friends? Are you saying, hey, I really love what you said the other day in that situation where you stood on your, on your convictions for the Lord. I love seeing you do that. Hey, I love the way you just treated that lunch lady. That was really respectful and honor, honoring. Are you saying those things to your friends? And lastly, Romans 12, 15, rejoice with those who rejoice and weep with those who weep. We speak life to one another when we sit in the brokenness of one another's life. There's sometimes, you may have a friend that just experienced a loss of a grandma. Maybe they experienced a loss of a friend or maybe they're going through a really tough time. Maybe they're going through a breakup, which, hey, we will talk about dating next week. So come bring your boyfriends and girlfriends. I imagine it will be fruitful for you. We'll see about that. (laughs) But rejoice with those who rejoice. Rejoice with those. Sometimes with friends, sometimes with friends, we can be, sometimes with friends, we can try to challenge and be better than one another. Say, oh, well, they're doing bad in this. That's great because I'm looked better because of that. No, we need to be people that are building up and rejoicing with those who rejoice. We need to, to high five and, and build them up. But also when they're weeping, we need to sit with them. It's the ministry of presence. And when someone is there in the darkest, most broken part of your life, that will last. If you've experienced that, you understand the impact that it has. Be that friend that sits with those who weep. Weep with those who weep. So how do you build a lasting friendship? You live on mission together. You be real with one another. And you speak life to one another. And I'm thankful, as the band and Jonah comes up, of the perfect example of a friend. John 15, 13 says, Greater love has no one than this, that someone laid down his life for his friends. You may not have friends in this room, and you may feel like you're alone. We want to change that. Come and be a part of our connect groups. Continue to come on Wednesdays. We want you to connect with this group of people. But I want you to, if you feel alone, I want you to never forget that we have a Savior who loved us so much that he laid his life down for us. And may we give him honor and glory. May he be the reason we do everything. And even in the process of how we choose the right friends and how we build those relationships on him so that they last and he would receive glory from it. Let me pray as we begin to worship. God, we thank you for your living and active word. Lord, we thank you for friendships. Lord, we thank you for the similar interests and the hobbies that we, we, uh, we have with our friends. God, I thank you for the laughter. Lord, I thank you for the friend that sits with one another as they weep, as they go through a tough time. God, I pray that as we look out and we're trying to choose the right friends to surround ourselves with, the ones that we're trying to build lasting friendships with, Lord, I pray that we would be understanding and wise in the moment to say, are we being that friend? Are we being the friend that builds one another up, that wants to live on mission with people, that's real with each other? And are we the person that's on the right trajectory? Do people want to jump on board with us and and run the race with us? God, I pray that you would give us a mindset to honor you in all that we do. And Lord, that you would have an impact, make a movement in our schools of friends living on mission together. Lord, would we see many come to know you because of it. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Will you stand as we sing?